Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We must be willing to hear all sides of their story and listen to all parts of the person. In this episode, I'm going to talk about something called ambivalence. Definition time. Ambivalence. Noun. The state of having mixed feelings or contradictory feelings or ideas about something or someone. So I would imagine that your child is likely experiencing a lot of ambivalence about school this year, especially if they're doing it in a hybrid or remote model. Let's just say there is an ample amount of ambivalence about academic efforts and endeavors currently. And because of this, I would like to share my belief. My belief that all of the adults in the lives of students need to be willing to listen to and help youth explore their own ambivalence about school at this time. An important note here. Notice I said help our youth explore their own ambivalence. This isn't about exploring your own ambivalence about school. Some of you may be ambivalent about your child's schooling at this time, but many of you might not be ambivalent at all. Meaning, you may be quite certain and conclusive that whatever the model is, school is important. So, figure it out. Or even better, allow me to figure it out for you. And then do as I say, sweetheart. However, This episode will not be about parental ambivalence so much as it will be about our youth's ambivalence. In this episode, I will argue for being willing to. And if you get to that willingness, I'm going to provide some ways at the end of the episode to be better able to help them explore their ambivalence. So willing and able is the goal here. And I realize many of you may already be willing and able and have already done much of what I'll be addressing. Okay, but back to it. Let me start with why it's so important to explore your child's ambivalence about school. Main reason? Because it works. Let me explain. So much of past parenting, past teaching, and past counseling approaches have focused solely on the reasons why someone should change their behavior. That type of approach focuses only on using confrontation, explanations, and persuasion to attempt to get kids to change. And as many of you may already know, when it comes to changes that your child is ambivalent about, this authoritarian approach might not be the most effective model. And here's why. When we only focus on the reasons why someone should change, they are likely to become defensive. This is the main reason why exploring ambivalence is so important. In my opinion, The practice and process of helping someone explore their own ambivalence is the best way to lower someone's defensiveness about a possible change effort. We have to listen to why someone is currently doing something. And in the case of many youth right now when it comes to school, why they are not doing something. Now, the main reason why so many people are unwilling to explore why someone is doing something unhealthy or unhelpful This is usually because they think that this will encourage the negative behavior. 
that being curious about it, that this curiosity will send the message that you agree with or approve of it. So to help debunk this myth, I'll say this. Validation is not agreement. And validation is not approval. So what is validation if it isn't approval or agreement? Well, here you go. Validation is an expression of an understanding for another person's internal experience. Whatever that experience may be. Okay, story time. I remember my own struggle with understanding this difference. It occurred when I first started working at a high school as a mental health professional. So students would come into my office, sit down, and often start by complaining about a certain teacher in great detail with the aid of, uh, let's just say, some descriptive words. So when I was first starting to work at that school and that would happen, I would panic and say something like, now, 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 you cannot talk about Mr. Smith that way. I know him well, and he is not as you describe. And please remember that he only has your best interests at heart. So yeah, I wasn't the best mental health professional with that approach. I was dismissive, confrontational, and I jumped in way too quick with advice. You know, providing my pearls of wisdom prior to listening, validating, and building empathy. When emotions are high, or when defensiveness is high, we must first listen actively before we can get anywhere near empathy which is required to build rapport. And rapport is essential to get to any level of behavioral influence. I share all of that to say this. Parents, please know that listening to and expressing an understanding of your child's reasons for why they are not engaging in school does not mean you agree or approve with their avoidance. And... It also doesn't mean that they will be more likely to remain disengaged. When we jump in immediately with our solutions, that will usually result in defensiveness going way up. And once that happens, any and all of our helpful hints, tips, and pointers will not be taken in, processed, and definitely not appreciated. Especially at this time. Our students need way more of our support and less of our solutions. When it comes to our students engaging with school this year, progress and sustainable success will not be achieved by imposing our opinions, our directions, our recommendations. The answers must come from within, within themselves. But we can help them find their own answers by being willing to listen to and by helping them explore their own ambivalence. Okay, to make more sense of this, it might be helpful to look at ambivalence by thinking about parts. Parts of a person. Let me explain with an example. When my alarm goes off in the morning, every single time, there is a part of me that doesn't want to get out of bed. And there's a part of me that does want to get out of bed. It is accurate to say, I am ambivalent about getting out of bed in the morning. And to take this example further, if I told someone I was having a difficult time getting out of bed in the morning, and before I could even finish getting those words out of my mouth, that person jumped in with a bunch of reasons why I should and need to get out of bed as soon as my alarm goes off, well, I would probably hit the snooze 
on that particular interaction. And further, it's highly likely that anything they shared would be met with the thought and possibly a vocal response of, don't you think I've thought of that already? Yeah, that would likely be my response because I'm already well aware of that part of me. The part of me that does want to get out of bed. Now, if I was open to and courageous enough to share that with somebody I trust, and that person was thoughtful enough to listen to and try to understand both parts of me, well then, I would be much more likely to find my own why and my own how when it comes to getting out of bed in the morning. And it doesn't stop there. If that person allowed me to explore my own ambivalence, I may, I just may, ask them if they had any advice on how to feed the rise and shine part of morning me. And if and when that happens, parents, stay cool. Don't freak out. Don't show your hand too quickly. Pause. Take a deep breath and offer up some version of, well, since you asked. Okay, so these conflicting parts of ourselves, these parts, they are active. They're argumentative throughout our day. And back to getting out of bed. The reason I get out of bed in the morning is because I choose to focus on and feed the part of me that wants to start the day. And I use the word feed there intentionally so I could share the story of the two wolves. You may have heard it already, but if you haven't, the story is this. An old Cherokee man is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, insecurity, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee man simply replied, the one you feed. Okay, it is highly likely that there actually is a part of your child that wants to engage with school this year. And this may go without saying, but yes, there is also a part of your child that doesn't want to engage with school this year. And that, that's okay. Your child's engagement or success this school year will not be achieved by eradicating the part of them that just doesn't want to. That part ain't going away. And again, that's okay. All right. So I hope that provided the why of exploring ambivalence. Now, let me share a few things that could help with the how. The how starts with and is sustained by active listening. Okay. I created an acronym for active listening, and the acronym is OPERA. The O stands for open-ended questions, P is for presence, E is for emotional labeling, R is for reflection, and A is for affirmations. 
I'm going to attempt to be brief in describing these, but if you want a more thorough breakdown of opera, please listen to the second half of episode four, season one of this podcast. But back to the brief. The O in opera stands for open-ended questions. Okay, so what's an open-ended question? Generally, it's a question that you can't answer yes or no to. And the good open-ended questions usually start with what or how. You may be thinking, why is also an open-ended question, but we usually want to avoid using why. Why avoid why? Well, because why usually has a judgmental tone to it, doesn't it? Okay, the P in opera stands for presence. What I mean by that is be mindful, be aware of your presence. How's my tone? How's my cadence? How's my volume? Do I have a calm presence? How's my body language? Am I open? Am I relaxed? Is my phone put away so I can give my undivided attention? Onto the E of opera. E stands for emotional labeling. That looks like when someone is telling you something, you'd say things like, sounds like you were really upset. Sounds like you're feeling really overwhelmed. I'm hearing that you're feeling really anxious. You label the feeling. You name the emotion. Name it to tame it says Daniel Siegel. Emotional labeling helps someone process their emotions, see their emotions impact on the situation, and allows them to see things and themselves more clearly. Okay, the R in opera is for reflection. And this is just about reflecting back what you have heard in your own words. What this does is it it shows that you are listening, that you care. And it can also help your child look at things more objectively. And finally, the A. The A in opera stands for affirmations. These are the statements when you recognize and point out the strengths of your child. It's a good idea to sprinkle these in during active listening. All right, so that was the opera of active listening. On to something a little bit different. Another thing to remember when helping to explore your child's ambivalence, you know, in order to keep their defensiveness down, you will have to monitor and regulate your own defensiveness as they begin to open up. Best way to do this, stay present. Bring yourself back into the room, back into the now, back into the current conversation. Avoid connecting what is going on now with their past or your past. Avoid making predictions about their future. In general, just avoid cognitive time travel altogether. The present is where the person known as your child is. And the present is likely to provide the perspective needed to remain positive and calm. And finally, this tip is a personal favorite of mine when it comes to helping someone explore and resolve their own ambivalence. I call it the not-so-fast formula. So here's what it is. While listening to and discussing someone's ambivalence, I use this formula to figure out when I'm moving too fast or focusing too much on the positives of a particular change effort. When I'm moving too quickly or giving too much advice, the other person will usually return to a reason why they shouldn't or cannot make that change. When that happens, that is a cue to me. The cue being, not so fast, my friend. I have to pump the brakes, postpone my pump-up speech and return to listening actively to both sides of their story. 
the not-so-fast formula helps me to realize that I have to part from proceeding too quickly and only focusing on the positives of the change effort. This is my signal that I have to pause. Pause and return to listening. Listening so that I can validate all the parts that make up the person. To close, two quotes. The first being from Stephen Covey. Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. End of quote. And finally, a quote from Carl Rogers. If you didn't know, Rogers was a psychologist and one of the main founders of the humanistic approach. Okay, here's the quote. We think we listen, but very rarely do we listen with real understanding, true empathy. Yet, listening of this very special kind is one of the most potent forces for change that I know. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again. Thanks again.